Hello, everybody. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Dina. Welcome to the Grim Curriculum Extra Credit. Yay! Episode three. Oh my. So how the heck are you this week? I'm, I'm excited to talk to you and not have to talk about Harvey Glattman. I completely agree. I'm doing really good, actually. I had some stuff going on this week, so I had off from my day job um, Thursday afternoon and then all of Friday. So I yeah. had nice long weekend and the weather's been pretty good so I've been chilling and getting some shit done tackling laundry mountain because Look at you go. I know I am never this productive but like the last two weeks man well probably I feel like it's the whole month and I think everybody's agreeing that whatever's in the air can fuck right off it's not <laughs> our friend Oh my god it's like... terrible it's oh my goodness it's been just the way that I've noticed in my travels, people behaving overall and just the things that I'm hearing going on everywhere. It's it's wild out there. Yeah, and I think personally I've been thinking about it a lot lately is that I'm very happy most of the time. I'm very much like enjoying the things I like to enjoy. And then sometimes I have these like happy thoughts and then I'm like, oh, but everything else is so terrible. It's hard not to like let the pressure push you down. Oh, you got to hang on to those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I'm I'm honestly, I'm at a point in my life where I am, I'm quite happy right now as well, which is a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it's definitely, you have to stay positive even when the world is just a literal dumpster fire a lot of the time. I find a lot of uh, gratitude in eating the food that makes me happy, listening to the music that makes me happy, playing the games, watching the movies, and really like, I don't know, I'm being very grateful for those things a lot more lately. And I don't know if it's just something that comes with age or if it is just the fact that everything else is a dumpster fire. <laughs> you know what this is? Hmm. And friends, those of you who live in other parts of the world, this is an example of seasonal depression. I think so. I Fading think that... <laughs> far, far, far away from us. The sun is finally out. Oh, man. for Yeah, especially for folks that live in, you know, northern countries, your Nordic Scandinavian countries, like high up in Russia and Asia and all that good stuff. And then across, obviously, North America. The winters are brutal on the mental health. Oh, absolutely. They're bad enough here. I can't even imagine living somewhere where there's like absolutely no sun. No, I, I, I would like to visit somewhere, you know, northern Sweden or like Alaska where they do experience those 30 days of night and then the, you know, land of the midnight sun in the summer as well. Mm-hmm. I was actually just going to mention the movie 30 Days a Night because that is one of my favorite cheesy vampire movies. You know, I've never seen it, but I fucking love a good vampire movie. Well, a good or a bad vampire movie, to be fair. <laughs> You've never seen it? No, I have oh not. I know God, what, I get the premise, oh. but yeah, I've never seen it. It's so, like, bad good. <laughs> it's like, it's just stupid and it's so, so cheesy, but it's good. Okay, yeah, we're going to add that to our movie night list. I was going to suggest it. Okay, let's do that. All right. Sweet. I also okay. have, I have the graphic novels. Ooh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, they're decent. Okay. They're decent. I dig it. Okay. All right. That, uh, honestly, this is why we started this show. 
Pretty much, yeah. Because we just like to blab. That's why we started a <laughs> podcast. We just like to talk to each other and, like, hear our own voices, I think. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but that's okay, because we've got some, well, a few different topics for today that we could talk about. <laughs> um, we've got some local ones. We've got some old-timey ones. we got some that are a little further around the world from us, so hopefully... You guys will enjoy what we have for you today. <laughs> yes, and whether you are listening while you do your laundry or while you're trying to fall asleep or drive to work or whatever, thank you for listening because uh, mm-hmm. this is going to be a good one. This is going to be fun. I'm enjoying these. I do enjoy these more kind of loosey-goosey, like more candid ones, even though I probably just ramble and ramble and ramble, but that's okay. That's why we have this. Exactly. So it's a good outlet. ramble. Um, what do we want to start with? Should we start local and sort of go further afield? Let's start with something that we talked about on the last episode, and that was the attacks on our light rail transit system. Mm-hmm. We've had more happening. We've had more muggings and things like that as well. Yeah, it um, has not slowed down in no, the slightest. No, Even it as recent as yesterday, I was just reading an article on it. So it's this crime spree is still going strong. It is. We want to point out, this is not the work of one person. We kind of talked about that last time, but we just want to reiterate that. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not like a serial killer or a spree killer or anything like that. It's multiple different people of different genders, different demographics, different ages. It's crazy. It absolutely is. But today we want to talk about the other side of the story there. Yes. Yes. Okay. So those of you who don't know, Edmonton is currently working on a new LRT line. Uh, they've been working on it for a long time. It hasn't been going well. I'm, I'm not going to get into all the boring details of that. But they decided that when they put this up... They didn't need anything to separate the LRT from the cars on the road. And and tell them what happened, Charlotte. Just tell the people. Well, basically, there's been more people crashing into the LRT with their cars and the LRT hitting other cars. And again, it's happened more times now than is funny. <laughs> right? The first time it was like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened. And now it's happening almost once a week. It's it's happened a lot. And I remember seeing it the first time or maybe even the second time in like recent times, so to speak. And they were testing that particular part of the line. And so the LRT was actually going really slow when it hit the vehicle, which I thought was kind of funny in a way that it just sort of is happening in slow motion. I remember hearing that they weren't going to put up any barriers or anything. And I thought to myself, like, no, they're definitely going to put something up because they can't just have this thing running next to the cars because we're not really known for having good drivers in Edmonton. No. Again, (laughs) like, I love this city I genuinely do there are a lot of really wonderful things about it but the drivers are are not one of them it's it started happening where again and again people just keep crashing into it because they're turning into it as they like are trying to make a, a left or right hand turn onto this road and then it also ran over a person and that person I believe passed away so the LRT system here is just it's not having a good time no and I've never really seen anything like this and the LRT system in Edmonton is set up in such a crazy manner it doesn't make any sense and in a lot of the cases when they're working on these new lines 
sometimes the lines are in place for a really long time before they ever actually see a train on them. And I think people get so used to them being in construction mode that when they finally open it, they've forgotten and they're just kind of on autopilot around them. I don't know, like, is this an issue in other cities? Those of you who live in other cities or towns or whatever, are people crashing into your light rail transit systems too? Or is this an Edmonton thing? Again, I keep saying it. I, I, I'm, I've I'm, gone into full-blown, like, old lady mode. I just keep saying, like, oh, it's wild out there. Don't go on the trains. Like, I, I don't know if it's just, like, as you get older, you become aware of your own mortality. And you're like, you know, maybe riding public transit isn't the best idea if I have the choice kind of thing. And if you're listening to this while you ride public transit, look around. Look at the people in front of you and behind you and next to you. (laughs) Not to spook you or anything. And Um, let them know that you're the crazy one. You would be surprised how acting crazier than your uh, assailant can get you out of a lot of situations. Just start growling at people and then we'll, we'll do a whole story about you. Absolutely. You can come on, we'll interview you and we'll be in full support. Perfect. Now, I don't want to like say too many bad things about our city. So I want to talk about something else that Edmonton is known for. And that is our many art installations. Yeah, and of course, with art installations in cities, um, shout out to Calgary with their blue donut ring thing on the way in. Sometimes they're pretty controversial. You know, most of the times I feel like there's a lot of this sort of outcry of, why are we spending so much money on this? If you're from Edmonton, you probably know where exactly where this is going. But yeah, let's talk about the beautiful Talus Dome, also known as the Talus Balls. Um, so those of you who don't know, it is a quite a reasonably sized sculpture that's kind of like off the side of one of our like highways here. Mm-hmm. And it is made out of nearly 1000 handcrafted stainless steel spheres. And they're super shiny, like a mirror, like they're just a big pile of shiny balls. Exactly. It basically is a, it's, it's a, pile of chrome I guess stainless steel Christmas ornaments more or less but it's not in any way designed to be festive or for a holiday it's just an art piece um but inside of the talus dome it's completely hollow kind of like a tent sort of situation but you're forgetting something it is super duper infested with spiders apparently (laughs) Oh my god, I did not know that. God, you did? Oh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, okay, so I'll tell you a fun story. So apparently right after they built this thing, and it was, I mean, it wasn't cheap to build, so it was a little bit of a controversy, like Charlotte said. Uh, Let me just scroll here. I think it was like $600,000 or something. Oh my god, I thought it was so much less. Um... That is horrific. Yes, it cost around $600,000. It was constructed in 2011. Oh, fantastic. All right. So it cost as much as a really, really nice house would cost here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a pile of balls. Anyways, so after they built it, a bunch of spiders started to live in it. And apparently there are a ton of spiders that call oh. it home. Okay. Well, then this this now, this knowledge makes this story so much more nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A gentleman, a 26-year-old gentleman, uh, thought that he would climb them, and he, excuse me, actually managed to kind of slip inside between some of the gaps. 
And he got stuck in there because once he got in through the top, he couldn't reach the top to get out again. He was in there for a while and uh, eventually someone found him, I guess, or something. Help was called. And uh, they had to use the jaws of life <laughs> on the chalice balls to get this guy out. Which is hilarious. And the reason I even heard about this story in the first place, one of the wonderful ladies that I work with, her uh, relative is the chief of the fire department for that particular part of uh, Edmonton. And so she's like, oh my god, you guys, someone got stuck in the talus. My relative just told me. And uh, he had to give a quote for the news and everything. And basically he said... Um, actually, let me find it so I could quote it exactly. He said, it's definitely a first for me. It's definitely different than what we would typically use the jaws of life for, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and, and may I tell everyone the, the icing on the cake that is this story? Please do. A few days after all of this, the, I think it's like the art committee of Alberta or something like that. Please correct me if I'm wrong, friends. Uh, they issued a statement saying, hey guys, um, there's an escape hatch. No way. Yep. So they didn't have to damage it. Oh no my one knew. God. And, well, the uh, thing is, you can't make something like that public knowledge. Otherwise, people will go looking for it, right? So I can understand why it isn't public knowledge. I feel like... You know, the Edmonton employees, i.e. like police, fire, EMTs, that kind of thing, should probably know about this sort of thing. You know what? No, they don't even have to know. Put a little like plaque on the inside that says, if you are trapped in here, there is an escape hatch <laughs> over escape. there. Exactly. Oh. So, yes, uh, he got out. He was on the radio and uh, yeah. He was charged with uh, one count of mischief over $5,000 and released. So the particular, like, they only took out a couple of the balls <laughs> to let him get out. But I guess that's what the damage was quoted as, was about five grand. Those are expensive balls. Like you said, you do the I... math, $600,000 per, like, that's a thousand balls. Uh, maybe don't climb all over the fancy, expensive art installations unless you know the escape hatch. Yeah, exactly. Or if you are building a fancy art installation, like, put some signs up on the inside. You don't need to tell people. Just, like, have it there just in case. What do we want to discuss next? Nudity. Let's talk about nudity. Okay. So I just happened to find this particular article on my travels through the internet and the headline immediately struck me. The article is titled Vienna nudists oppose plans for cable car over their beach. So I immediately was like, all right, let's find out what this is <laughs> Tell about. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, nudists in Austria, they have their particular part of a beach on the northern edge of Vienna where clothing is optional and they are up in arms because there's a plan for a cable car that would pass over their particular part of the beach. Um, and so obviously with them being, you know, naked in their birthday suits, they're uh, not entirely gung-ho for this because they're worried that, you know, people going over the top will be taking pictures or video with their cell phones or whatever. Yeah, because I mean, when you go to a place like that, there is a certain expectation of how you're supposed to behave, obviously, and you Absolutely. go there and you're not allowed to have cameras. You're, the privacy of everyone is respected. 
And so they're concerned these people are going to be just traveling over and laughing in the at them and taking pictures and things like that, which I, I get that. I absolutely oh, get that. 100%. Um, so the project developer, he sought to reassure the, the nudists, um, saying that the cable cars would actually only pass over the beach for a short stretch. And in a fancy addition the windows could be made to turn opaque automatically. So I guess they're just going to time it so that when the cable car passes over the beach, they just tint the windows down so you can't see. That's pretty impressive, though. It is. It just seems so extra. I guess it really must have had to go around that beach or over the beach. I I feel like, can't you you take a detour? I'm not sure. I'm just reading... Um, the article and it says that the cable car project would go from the Heilingstadt transit station across the Danube River and then back over to Kallenberg, a small mountain in the north of the capital. 115 gondolas with panoramic windows would offer breathtaking views across Vienna. Okay, so that I actually think sounds lovely. It does. And I would love, love to visit Vienna one day because they Me have too. the beautiful like ballrooms. And I am a big fan of classical music. And Strauss, who is one of my favorite composers, was from there. But anyway, that's, I digress. Um, but I would love to visit. That seems like something to me from like, a romantic, like, raunchy comedy that the gondola goes over, like, a nudist beach, you know? Yes, absolutely. You know, though, I I also feel like it's, if you're having a time on the nude beach, like, you're enjoying it, got your boobs all out there and stuff, (laughs) you're having a good time. Europeans, man. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 as a European, you know. I'm all for it. It's very. We're free people. I personally feel like if I was hanging out on a nude beach and, you know, having a good time or whatever, it's, I want to know how loud is this train going to be? How disturbing is it going to be? Because I feel like they're, they're compromising in a big way with the opaque windows, but is it going to be like loud and annoying and you're like playing nude beach ball bounce bounce i don't know what people do on the beaches but like and then a giant loud train goes by i kind of don't like that for them from the say tourism side of it it's going to offer these stunning views you're going to get to pass from you know one part of the city to the other but at the same time people that are already enjoying this very beautiful city are like well now look at this eyesore of a gondola going over right so i don't know i guess they're gonna have to They're going to have to learn to work together. I guess so. I do feel a bit sorry for the nudists, though, in this particular case. I do, too. I do, too. Because I feel like at the end of the day, they they have a nice thing going for them there, you know? Mm -hmm. If you're going to go to a nude beach, it's going to be somewhere like that. Like, go right ahead. Can I tell, real quick, a very funny story about a nudist beach and my grandparents? (laughs) Um, yes. (laughs) So, years ago, uh, probably a good, like, 15, 20 years ago, my grandparents were on holiday in Greece together, and they're telling this story when they came back. Obviously, we visited them and caught up and whatnot and, you know, looked at all the pictures and stuff. My granddad has this habit of finding these locations when we're on holiday, and they're like super secret locations that you have to walk miles to get to. And I'm not going to lie, nine out of ten times they don't exist, and it's just become <laughs> a problem for the family that it's just the standing joke. But in this particular case with my grandparents... They found this beach and my grandpa was walking a little up ahead. It was like this sandy track through the trees to get to this very like, what's the word? Like secluded beach. And it was going to have these beautiful white golden sand and all this stuff. 
And my grandma was a little bit behind and kind of around the corner, around the bend on the track. She's going, have you found it? You know, does this place exist? Or is this another one of these wild goose chases? And as she's saying this, my granddad walks into these two very, like, tall, handsome, but completely naked, like, Greek gentlemen. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And he's like, no, no, I think it's the wrong one. Turn around. And my grandma's going, no, what are you talking about? Is it here or isn't it? Because she's still a ways back. And my granddad's going, no, it's the wrong one. It's the wrong one. And then my grandma comes around the corner and sees these two guys and is like, oh, I see. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's like something out of a movie. I love that. Oh, my God. And I think they ended up just sort of being like, oh, have a good day, gentlemen, and leaving in like true British grandma and grandpa fashion. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That is so funny. But it's so true, though. In Europe, nudist beaches and indeed like normal beaches when you're on holiday, it's completely acceptable to be laying there topless as a woman or whatever. Of course. It's really not at all considered taboo and it always makes me laugh too because Europeans when it comes to like guys swimwear shall we say it's very common to wear like quite short shorts or even speedos because yeah teeny tiny little speedos yeah because why do you want to cover your body up with board shorts when you could get a nice even tan right so exactly they got their little g-strings out too you gotta (laughs) get that tan on the booty Absolutely. But anyway, I hope the Vienna nudists get what they need or get what they want in the end. But yeah, I just thought you guys would enjoy that little story. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, I do too. At the end of the day, like they're not hurting anybody. And the, the funny thing is, is one of the ladies that was interviewed in the article is also 72. So yes. This is just like nude little old people that are just trying to have a nice time in Vienna. So I say let them have it. Yes, let them have their freedom. (laughs) Let's move this over to the other side of the age spectrum with a uh, little rapscallion. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So Charlotte sent me this article and the first thing I noticed was the picture, which I'm going to get into in a second. But... Uh, This is from April 18th, 2023, and it says, A curious toddler on Tuesday earned the title of one of the tiniest White House intruders after he squeezed through the metal fencing on the north side of the executive mansion. In the picture, they are manhandling this little toddler. Oh my god. God. It's two of the, like, obviously White House security guys, and they just, they're holding him off the ground in between them, and they're looking at each other like, what, what is this? Like, can you believe this? Um, he was pretty much immediately, like, obviously seen, snatched up, and returned to his parents. They asked the parents, like, a few questions, and then ultimately was like, okay, not a problem. It was all just an accident kind of thing. But can yeah, you we imagine? Yeah, we want to no one got hurt here. No, Everything not at all. Everything is fine. Sorry, Charlotte, go ahead. As a parent, can you imagine? Like, I've been in, as a, like, a, a young kid in the grocery store with my parents and, like, ran, not ran away, but, like, got separated by a couple of aisles and then, like, completely freaked out and has been like, no, where's my mom? I can't imagine your child getting away from you and then you're like, oh my god, they've broken into, one might argue, one of the most important buildings on the planet. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You just see your kid being carried over by these security guards. 
but apparently this kind of happens every now and again, but the majority of the time the children are bigger and they just get stuck. Oh my god, if I was one of the Secret Service people, it's like, oh, on the North Perimeter we have an issue, you stroll on over, and there's just a child with their head stuck between the bars of the fence. I would pee my pants laughing. Seriously, because you're expecting it to maybe be something bad, or you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and it's, they it's do. just a kid. Oh, I know. And they have, like, a lot of, like, protesters uh, quite a bit, you know, chaining themselves to the fence and so on and so forth. But, yeah, to get over there and be like, oh, sorry, your toddler just got their noggin stuck. Oh, honestly, though, I feel like at the end of the day, I, I hope the, the curious little kid, like, I hope he grows up and he works there. I hope that it's a, just a funny memory and that it wasn't traumatic in any way. Actually, I take that back. I wouldn't really wish that on anyone. <laughs> that would be a terrible the job. These days. No, oh you God. know what? I hope he becomes like a happy zookeeper who like crawls into <laughs> the cages all the time. I don't know. Oh, fair enough. What this did make me think of was a gentleman back in 1982. His name was Michael Fagan. And if you're from the UK of a certain age, you might remember this, but he broke into Buckingham Palace to see the Queen. Uh, not once, but twice on the same day. So, Oh my goodness. I think there, I mean, not that the toddler in our White House story particularly knew exactly where he was breaking into and indeed probably didn't have the thought of, I'm a break into the White House. He was probably just like, I want to be on the other side of that fence. Michael Fagan did indeed want to meet the queen <laughs> and he entered, he got all the way to her bedroom as well. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, I can't imagine. Apparently he like climbed up the drain pipe and like through a window. So he was a full on like cat burglar sort of situation. Yeah, seriously. But it just made me think people are always trying to break into like celebrity homes, the homes of important people and all that stuff. So meanwhile, this toddler's just getting in there. Yeah, I, I would hazard a guess that this little guy is probably the youngest person to ever break into the White House. Right? Good. You know what? He's got that going for him. That's a pretty yeah. good way to start life. You got a good, a good reputation already. <laughs> totally. Okay, so to wrap up today's extra credit episode, I mentioned an old-timey case that I saw on the iconic Twitter account. It's called Whores of Yore. And let me just pull up their profile real quick so I can read out their bio. You guys should go follow them. Yeah, a huge shout fantastic. out to them. Charlotte showed me this account and I am obsessed. So their bio says, Sex History, a catalog of jilts, cracks, nightwalkers, whores, she-friends, kind women, and others of the linen-lifting tribe. So basically, it's a Twitter account dedicated to the history of like sex and lewd things throughout history. So of course I love it because it's hilarious. Absolutely. And the article that they posted on National Tea Day was <laughs> an article from 1933 where four women were arrested in Liverpool for being drunk and disorderly. Now this might not sound particularly wild in any particular case, but they were found singing loudly and trying to feed tea to their dead neighbor, who they did not realize was dead because they were so shit-faced on methylated spirits. <laughs> and methylated spirits is basically like drinking, like, uh, I, what would I compare it to? Like, 
lighter fluid basically it was yeah. i think used in lamps and it was stuff. let's let's start with the article title here because it's this is where it gets ju- it just it's amazing from the start so it says this is the original article drunken women trying to feed corpse orgy in bedroom grim liverpool affair <laughs> it's so good you know what i'm just gonna read through the article and we'll discuss it as please we go do through. Okay, so it begins, a shocking story of how four drunken women were found trying to feed a dead neighbor with tea, as already reported, was told in the Liverpool Coroner's Court. The inquest was on Margaret Hanlon, 56, a widow, who was found dead from chronic alcoholism and pneumonia in her lodgings in lodgings in Wilton Street, Liverpool on Tuesday the 31st. So this poor woman had passed away in her apartment. <laughs> And then these four women, shit-faced on methylated spirits, came in and thought, that's weird, she's not very lively, let's get her some tea. What a party pooper, this one. Uh, So, four women, since sent to prison for drunkenness, were found by police officers singing and shouting in her bedroom at 2.45am. They had all been (laughs) drinking methylated spirits. (laughs) Catherine Murphy... Wife of a marine fireman said she had sublet all the rooms in the house and lived herself in Field Street. Mrs. Hanlon shared a bedroom with Mrs. Cecilia Morgan, each paying three shillings a week rent. (laughs) Mrs. Hanlon used to take drink, witness added, but I never saw her the worse for it. I had noticed a smell of methylated spirits, but she said it was red bitty or ale. (laughs) And then the next part just says, fighting in bedroom. (laughs) All in capitals. (laughs) Other women used to visit the room, and for one night, about three weeks, again, I had to go for a policeman because everybody was complaining of people going in and fighting. On Monday evening, when I went in, Mrs. Hanlon said she was not well. She was in bed, and Mrs. Uh, Cahill was with her. I went home shortly after. Now, this is amazing. The coroner, Mr. G.C. Mort, like... (laughs) Batman's was born to be a coroner with he Mort really as was. his last yep. name. So he handed Mrs. Murphy two empty medicine bottles and asked her what they smelled of. She replied, methylated spirits, and declared she knew nothing about them. And the next capital little subtitle here, telephone the police. Robert John Williams, a laborer living in the same house, said that at 10 p.m. on Monday, he heard women singing in Mrs. Hanlon's room, and at 2 o'clock next morning, Mrs. Morgan knocked him up and told him she thought Mrs. Hanlon was dead. He went into the room, tried to chase out the four women who were there, and telephoned to the police. The women were still there when the officers arrived, so they (laughs) did not give two fucks. They're like, yeah, call the police, bitch. We don't give a shit. We are having a good time, sir. Uh, Sergeant W.G. Evans said that when he arrived at 2.45 a.m., he found Mrs. Hanlon dead in bed. She was fully dressed except for her boots. The four women were drunk and singing and shouting, and he arrested them. In the coal box, he found medicine bottles. And then, (laughs) to wrap it up, big capital letters, drinking methylated spirits. They're really concentrating on that for this story. They are. I knew the deceased, the sergeant added. She had been subject to taking meth for the last three years. Meth meaning methylated spirits, not methamphetamines. 
um, and has been dealt with in the police courts for drunkenness due to this cause. Constable J.C. modestly said that the women were absolutely stupid. They were too (laughs) drunk to know Mrs. Hanlon was dead. They were trying to feed her with tea when she was cold and stiff. (laughs) I I think it's interesting because she was quite the rabble rouser too. It sure sounds like it. So to me, the police are just like, what the Fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, ladies, please stop drinking the methylated oh, spirits. Man. Dr. J.H. McConnell, who made a post-mortem, said he had no hesitation in declaring that she had died from chronic drinking of methylated spirits and from bronchial pneumonia. The coroner returned a verdict in accordance with the medical evidence. So yes, an orgy of death and tea. <laughs> and I think what orgy... A story. Or- such an old-fashioned like use of the word orgy because obviously orgy conjures a slightly different image i think these days whereas orgy back then just meant like an organized like a a party basically i think and then it just kind of became this very like lewd lurid term it seems like an old-timey clickbait title Oh, absolutely because it drew me in of course (laughs) how could it not Oh, but I just love the idea of these, I guess, five women in 1933 that were just wild, off their tits on methylated spirits, trying to feed a corpse that they didn't know was a corpse. You know, and I, I think it's so interesting because you look at everything else that was going around in that area during that point in time. And then you I mean, have these ladies that are just, just wildin'. I guess. Uh, I don't know that living their best life would be the term I would use, but certainly not living a traditional life, it would appear. They're living. (laughs) Well, I guess except for the one, but the other ladies are living. Except for Miss Hanlon. Oh, she was a widow as well, it says. I honestly enjoy reading about badly behaved women throughout history because usually the stories about women throughout history is they're just not having a good time. And again, Mm -hmm. I I guess in their own way, they definitely were. So I'm all for, yes, women, women behaving badly, (laughs) especially when it's on their own terms. Yep. And you know what? They didn't kill her. No, no, not at all. It was pure coincidence. It was just... I can't imagine being the police officers. You get that call. It's 2.45 in the morning and you're thinking, oh, it's just going to be another bunch of drunk women. And you rock up and poor Mrs. Hamlin is dead. And you weren't wrong, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, All we right. hope you enjoyed everything today. That was super fun. And honestly, like I said at the beginning, I I just enjoyed being able to chat with you about not autoerotic asphyxiation for this episode. Amen to that. I couldn't agree more. Let's leave that in the regular show. (laughs) Yes. And with that being said, we do recommend listening to part one of our Harvey Glattman series, which is officially out. Yes, part two will be coming on Saturday. Yeah, go ruin your day. We highly recommend it. And then you can listen to, I always recommend Jersey Devil, Mothman. Yeah, they're good palate cleansers to cheer yourself up after taking a deep dive into hellish territory. Hellish hobby. Oh, yuck, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, do we have anything else that we want to announce or talk about or anything like that? Uh, I don't think so. I think we can wrap it all up. 
Very cool. All right. Thank you so much to everyone who has been supporting the second show here. We're really enjoying it. It's honestly, it's just a nice kind of change of pace for us, I think. Yeah, it's good to just chat and yak and have some laughs over stuff that's not necessarily as super serious or just a little more candid. So honestly, it's sometimes it's just nice to talk about something that isn't completely, absolutely miserable. (laughs) Although we kind of did a lot of that today anyway. We found our way. Nah, that's life. That's all part of life, you guys. You gotta take with the good, with the bad. Take the good with the bad. She's right. Well, thank you so much for listening. This has been The Grim Curriculum. Extra Extra credit. credit.